standard issue for all women. Hello there and welcome to this week's Sunday Chops. It's Mickey bringing you our weekly long listen interview this week. And if ever a subject demanded a bit more of our time, it's what's happening to women and girls in Afghanistan under the Taliban. It ain't pretty, I can tell you that much. I was lucky enough to grab half an hour with Zara Nada, editor-in-chief of Zan Times, a brilliant women-led investigative newsroom covering the human rights crisis in Afghanistan with a focus on women. Since taking over the country in August 2021, the Taliban have launched a full-scale war on women's social and public presence. They have also attacked press freedom across the board. Despite the risk to the safety of those involved, since its genesis in August 2022, Zan Times has reported on the rise of child marriage, the impossible choices that women health workers face, the rise of female suicide, femicide and domestic violence, how women journalists continue to fight and how humanitarian aid is not reaching the most vulnerable, shining a light on distressing issues that affect women in Taliban-controlled Afghanistan. It's an incredible publication, and even that doesn't do it justice. And I urge you to take a look at zantimes.com. Donate a little cash if you're able. Keep it going. In the meantime, Zara is impressively calm and articulate on these atrocities, which made me want to scream into a pillow. You know the one. The standard issue screaming pillow. She also talks about how letting the Taliban get away with this treatment of women, which the international community appears to be doing, isn't just bad for women in Afghanistan. It's bad for all women. And she's right. Hello, I'm joined on the Zoom by Zara Nada, editor-in-chief of Zan Times, a women-led newsroom in exile covering the human rights crisis in Afghanistan. Zara, hello. Hi, Vicky. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for coming on. So first of all, please can you tell our listeners about Zan Times and what your mission is there? Thank you so much. So Zan Times is an Afghan woman-led media that covers human rights violation in Afghanistan. The word Zan is a Dari Farsi word, which means woman. And Zan Times is basically our way of saying that at a time that the Taliban is trying to suppress us, that tries to deny us our basic human rights, we will be here and we will be speaking our truth, you know, in the face of this injustice and this atrocity that the Taliban are committing right now in Afghanistan. So basically, we started our work in August 2022, one year after the Taliban take over Afghanistan. We were just a group of mostly women journalists, and we started talking to each other about the situation. And most of us have the experience of working in Afghan media. So we have an idea of what's the problem and what we need to be doing. And then we put our resources together. We started this from uh, our personal saving and volunteer work of this group. We started the group inside Afghanistan, so we were trying to pay them because of the situation in Afghanistan. It's very hard to ask people to do volunteer work. So we were paying the team in Afghanistan, and we were able to continue our work so far with a great and professional and brave team of journalists inside the country and also editors outside Afghanistan in different countries. So we do publish in English and the Dari Farsi, our own language, and most of our work is uh, investigative in nature and in depth. Here we try to look at one particular issue in different provinces in Afghanistan. And our hope is to be able to provide fact-check quality uh, investigative journalism from inside Afghanistan and particularly helping our audience understand what is happening to women in the worst country to be women right now. 
Absolutely. And as you mentioned there, a lot of your journalists are women on the ground in Afghanistan. How dangerous is that for them to be doing this reporting? So that's a very good question. So let me explain, but really it means to be a woman journalist right now in Afghanistan. When the Taliban took over Afghanistan in August 2021, they gradually started clap down on women's rights. Basically, they took over in the August 15, and in August 24, they banned women from working in public sectors. In the less than a month in September, they banned women from going to high school. And then gradually in December, they banned women from traveling alone. Uh, they should be accompanied by a man when they're traveling. And in some provinces, they, that's a, a restricted as if they are going to a clinic, they will not be visited by a doctor because uh, they're a lone woman and they don't have a, a male relative coming with them. And then uh, they banned women from university. They banned women working with the NGOs. And gradually to this point that this uh, since January 1st, the Taliban have started arresting women on Kabul uh, streets yeah. because of their, uh, you know, like they call bad hijab or the violation of the Taliban dress code. Basically, the Taliban issued this decree on May 2022, ordering all women in Afghanistan must cover their faces when in public. And their preferred uh, hijab was burqa or niqab, uh, basically an Arabic version of hijab, which both is not part of Afghan culture. And also, if they said if women are violating this laws, their male relative will be punished. Yeah. And right now, we are seeing that the Taliban are actually going after women. And uh, also what we are hearing and when we are talking to people, they're saying like, we have hijab. To what we understand about hijab, because they're all Muslim, we observe hijab the way we know. But the Taliban, in any way, they come and they harass us and they arrest us and they torture us. So some of these women, we still don't know about them. So this is to give you an example or an understanding of what it means to only be a woman in Afghanistan. And then we have the media. There is certain restrictions on the media and what you can do, you know, what you can produce. And that means that you are not allowed to produce anything contrary to Islam or anything contrary to Afghan culture. And then you have to interpret and read between the lines what, what that means. And basically, it's the Taliban are the source of defining what Islam means, what Afghan culture means. And of course, what their interpretation is might not really be what it is for the people of Afghanistan. They ordered women who were working in the media, in the TV, for example, to cover their faces. And of course, when women journalists are going out, they should be accompanied by men. So there is not yet an official order ordering that women are not allowed to work in the media, but journalism was one of the first subjects that the Taliban banned for women in, in universities. So basically, uh, there's no official state saying that they are not allowed to go, but the Taliban have created structures, structural barriers and problems that do not allow any woman to access journalism and to be able to continue their work uh, as a journalist in a public sector. There are a few women journalists who are still working in Afghanistan, but it's under very strict condition right now. To just give you a number, in December 2021, four months after the Taliban takeover, Reporters Without Borders said from every five women journalists that were working in Afghanistan, four left their job or lost their job. And a lot of the women who are still working as journalists and, and doing this are doing it unpaid now because they've been told, well, you can still do it, but we're not going to pay you to be journalists, right? So most of them, this is the situation, for example, particularly in uh, Badakhshan province in north of Afghanistan, where we spoke to many women journalists, where they told us the media organization that used to pay them a salary 
is now asking them to work for free. If they want to work, they can come and work for free. If they don't, that's okay. So this woman say like, we feel that rather than grieving at home, that we have lost whatever we have, we felt that it's better to keep ourselves busy and come and work even, you know, for free. But Zara, come on now, when the Taliban took over in August 2021, they promised that they weren't going to do any of this. Obviously, you were watching. I wondered how you felt when you saw it all happening. So if I'm being very honest, I really, really wish that whatever they were promising, it was true. Oh, gosh, you know, yes. like Something in me was like, oh, God, like, you know, like, let this be the truth and let them allow women to be able to continue the way that they use, you know, like in Afghanistan. Afghanistan was already one of the worst country for women before the Taliban take over, you know, the um, rates of violence against women was so high. Um, and basically, there was an immunity for violence against women in Afghanistan even then. But uh, for the Taliban takeover, uh, of course, as you know, they always, all the time uh, said that they they respect women's rights according to Islam again, you know, and they respect media freedom. Um, I was very fearful Um when this was was all un- unfolding, um, I was I have one big question, and that was like, why the Taliban did not really define what it means according to Islam? Because that's very vague, you know. Like, you can interpret it any way. You can interpret it like Islam, the way the you know, like Islamic State in the Iran do it, mm-hmm. the way that you know Arabic uh, states, Saudi Arabia do it, for example. Or like uh, countries like, uh, you know, um, Islamic Aramat. Uh, so there's a different country, the different ways of interpreting Islam and how you think it is. So why do not they lay out that according to Islam, what it means for women's right to be respected, what will be respected and what will not be respected. Yeah. So that was never laid out and it was my concern. But as we have seen in the past two and a half uh, years now, is that the Taliban lie. Whatever they say in word is lie. That That's why we do not trust the Taliban. And even before all this happened, women in Afghanistan were the first groups that were saying, like, please do not trust the Taliban. Any peace deal with the Taliban is war with women in Afghanistan. And nobody was really listening in, in a way that, you know, like, because women were not part of political power players, you know, like the one that is making decisions about what should be happening in Afghanistan. So basically, nobody listened to women in Afghanistan. And then, uh, and mostly in the West, there was, uh, for the Western country, there was this idea that there is a Taliban O2, which is like very democrat, very understanding and respectful of this all rights and human rights. Unfortunately, it was an idea that was sold to them, but it's not based on reality as we are seeing in Afghanistan. So whatever the Taliban claimed and put in paper or told this, you know, like uh, states um, that this is, we will be respecting this and this, there was no question asked of like how, you know, and how do we measure those ideas and implement that? And what will be the consequence if you do not follow or deliver on your promises? There was no sort of punishment or there was no penalty for not uh, following through what was said. And of course, and, and, and we know the Taliban. The Taliban, their most bold feature is animosity with women and hatred of women. And they show that in every single thing that they do, from policy to action, whatever they do, they make sure that this policy stand out in, in, in all of their work. I think the way that the US and the UK in particular, obviously the withdrawal from Afghanistan was an absolute clusterfuck. It was terrible. It wasn't thought through. 
And I feel like you were just saying there about, you know, they believed that the Taliban were going to be the Taliban at like 2.0. And I think they probably didn't, but it's what they wanted to believe because it made them able to do what they did. But also the Taliban and the way it treats women, it's clearly fearful of women for reasons that I cannot bend my head around, right? It's it's fearful of women having rights. And so the fact that women are still fighting back is an absolute thorn in their side, isn't it? So the point is that we have to look this idea that we are a repression, there is resistance. And then the idea that, like, what's normal for the Taliban? So we have to ask, who are the Taliban? The Taliban are this particular groups who did this movement that their emergence was very far from where women were living. You know, they were not growing up in a community where women are part of the community. So they mostly grew up in religious madrasas or in the battlefields where only men were allowed to, to be part of it. So they grow up seeing no woman and absence of women were their normal imagination of society and how society must be. So women's role is only limited to the house. She can, you know, like provide sexual services, reproductive services, and also, you know, like free labor of like cleaning the houses and, and doing all the work that's necessary for the life to continue, right? Um, so for them, the woman's role is only that. And yeah. she is not allowed to go beyond that. And for the woman in Afghanistan, like any other society in the world, the women are human. <laughs> Sorry. That way it seems so basic. Women make human you know? as well. I know. Yeah. So so this idea for the Taliban is not acceptable for, for the for women to be human, you know, as equal as, as men, you know, and to be able to to participate and take part and make decisions about politics and what the future of Afghanistan will be. So for, for the Taliban, that's not acceptable. So any role that allow women to step beyond what the Taliban think women should be is a no-no for the Taliban. And they're very clear about what they want. And uh, they want a gender apartheid. They have shown it. Mm-hmm. They have implemented the policies and everything, regardless of what the world has said and what the statement they have issued. The Taliban continue to do what they desired uh, into building this gender apartheid. And unfortunately, so far, I think no concrete action has been taken to stop the Taliban or force them to reverse any of these policies. I want to get onto that in a moment and what the international community haven't done, should be doing and can do. But before we get there, I wanted to know, obviously, this comes with a huge caveat that anyone resisting or defying Taliban rule faces extreme violence and potentially death. It's absolutely terrifying. How are the Afghan women fighting back against the Taliban? Because they are. There is resistance. Thank you so much. We are actually working on that uh, as a video uh, video story project. We are, we are trying to look at the resistance of women in Afghanistan. So we know uh, they are the first group that came to the streets and protested against the Taliban and the Taliban policies. And the only group so far that continues to resist, you know, uh, using uh, civil means. For example, from early on, they were coming to the streets. They were chanting and protesting against the Taliban. And where they were beaten violently, they're, most of them, like they were saying, you know, most of our protests did not last two minutes because uh, as we started, the Taliban came and dispersed our, uh, you know, gathering violently. Um, and what happened is uh, in January 2022, 
after one of these protests, that woman burned one of the burqas, uh, you know, like as a symbol of we do not accept the policy job that the Taliban are trying to implement on us. The Taliban uh, raided house of some of these women and made some arrests. One of these women, Tamana Zaryab-Karyani, she is in, uh, in Germany now. She's still protesting against the Taliban. So she and her sister were arrested from her house. And also um, another woman uh, protesters, Parvana Ibrahim Khal. So they were all arrested because of their role in protest. And from that moment on, the Taliban implemented this policy of like going after women protesters, arresting them, torturing them, in a way forcing them to give up resistance to silence, you know, because they do not accept, you know, like they see any sort of resistance, any sort that encourage to speak up against the Taliban policies, they, they do not accept that. So they started violently crushing uh, women's right protests on the streets. So what women did is they reversed, they changed their policies. So they started uh, coming together inside the houses where it's unlikely for the Taliban to know where they are, what they do. And then they started writing flight cards, they creating videos and talking about the Taliban and their policies and rejecting and refusing it and asking the world to stand by them. Their work is also dangerous because the Taliban also look, try to, to find them and mm-hmm. they mostly try to infiltrate their groups, you know, the, the online groups that they create to come together. And then there are different kind of resistance. For example, there are one group, particular group that they do theater and dance to oppose the Taliban because those are also forms of art that has been banned by the Taliban. And then there is two sisters have been following them for a long time now. They are singing under Bulu Borka because singing is also banned and women are also, women's voices are banned. So they are singing under Bulu Borka resistance songs in a way to oppose the Taliban and to resist. And then we have many, many secret schools running also online and on the ground for young girls. So I see all this as a form of resistance against the Taliban because we know the cost that this woman will pay, it's very high, you know, it's it's violence, it's uh, imprisonment, and for some it's going to be death. But they are willing to take that and fight for their rights. This is the way that women continue to resist, even though, unfortunately, there is not any big change in the way that the Taliban approaching women. It's such staggering courage but it's also why it is so important and vital what you're doing at Zan Times because you're shining a light on these women who are doing these things and therefore the world still hears their stories because I mean I don't I don't want to put words in your mouth obviously but it, it kind of feels like the world has forgotten about this particular huge human rights issue and part of me can only think it's because well it's only women Exactly. It's also women, but it's also in Afghanistan, you know, like uh, there are, you know, situations that if we think about this idea that what's happening in Afghanistan is not only about women's rights in Afghanistan, but it has global consequences because now the Taliban is bringing the bar low on how women will be treated globally without any consequences. So if a country decides, like the Taliban overnight, that they deny basic human rights to some part of their population, particularly women, I assume there will be no consequence for it, you know, like, because then they will also say, like, here's the Taliban order, they continue to do it, of course. There are statements, but those statements do not really materialize in a way that they prevent the Taliban or force them to reverse these policies. 
So I feel that um, there should be a broader understanding, hopefully from women across the world, that these women need support. Women in Afghanistan, the means that they have to support for their rights is very, you know, basic. Because, for example, most of them were not employed. They, they don't have a lot of resources to support themselves. And now they're in completely cut from employment, from being able to stand for themselves. So how they can continue the way they can fight is very limited. So they need the help of women from across the world, not only because women in Afghanistan need help, but because this is about women's rights. If women are fighting for their rights, it should be, you know, a global standards that we all need to have, you know, like as a woman, and uh, we have to stand for each other because men will not. All right, Mickey here with an advert for BetterHelp Therapy Online. You all right? Such a small question and sometimes such a big question too, eh? Now, regular listeners will know I am no stranger to depression. And while over time and with the help of some decent counselling and brilliant friends and family, I've established a toolkit to help when the constantly dripping tap of life gets a bit too much. That does not mean I am a stress-free human rainbow skipping through meadows. I mean, who is? We all carry around different stresses, big and small, and sometimes we can deal, and sometimes it's much harder to cope. Life, in it? Right now, I have a teenage puppy to deal with, and although I love her very, very much, she can be a lot. There, said it. And as quick a fix as it seems to say, I'm fine, I'm fine, and push it all down into the big inside box and put that lid on. For me, that hasn't been a great long-term solution in that if I don't get it off my chest, it will at some point come bubbling up and it's never been one to pick its moments in a good way. I find talking means I can avoid it exploding out of me like a messy emotional volcano all over my nana's carpet. Also, during my various times in talk therapy, I discovered that saying something out loud or writing it down can make it seem much more manageable than allowing it to swirl around and grow ever bigger in my head. If you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. I've found knowing how to reach out is sometimes the toughest bit, but BetterHelp is entirely online. Boom. Which means it couldn't be easier. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a registered therapist, then work your sessions around your schedule. With more than a 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Standard issue listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash standard. That's betterhelp.com slash standard. Well, that was going to be my next question. And that is whether the men of Afghanistan, the men not in the Taliban, are supportive of Afghan women and girls getting their rights back or whether the women are alone in their fight. That's very... Difficult question for me is that the truth suggests that many of us do not, do not stand with women to fight for their rights. And that is true to some point. But what I'm trying to elaborate on is that this idea of we have to understand how men and women have been socialized in Afghanistan, with what kind of thinking, with what worldview. So we have four decades of war, to say the least, in Afghanistan. And these four decades of war, uh, we have uh, Islamic extremists and fundamentalists coming to power. 
And unfortunately, they came to power with the Western support, particularly the U.S. support in the 1980s. Um, and then they were given, you know, lots of weapons and billions of dollars to do what they wanted to do to defeat the Soviet in Afghanistan. And once they defeated the Soviet, the West got it wanted and then they left. And then what happened was this fundamentalists were empowered. They had the weapons, they had resources, money to do what they wanted. And they did. They started destroying Afghanistan society. And they, uh, you know, like they started the civil war. And then the Taliban emerged from within this, you know, like group. And then what happened is during all these times, school educations were paused, stopped. You know, like there was no place. Children were getting education. And instead, one particular way of thinking, one particular way of living your life was centered that this is how you will live your life. This is who you are and what you will be doing. And that was, to some extent, uh, a misogynist way of thinking. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, hatred of women was involved in that. To go back, this Islamist group, they had this power. So they shape our society according to their ideology, according to what they feel suits Afghanistan society. So they invested in the society in a way that delivered on their interests. And that was not a secular Afghanistan. That was not an Afghanistan where women have freedom to choose. From that investment, we have this, of course, new generation of people. And in the past 20 years, we have some freedom in Afghanistan. But again, there was little done to unlearn those misogynists, those hatred of women that we have dealt into and um, learned at least in the past four decades. You can look at any country in the world and misogyny still is rife, but it's amplified, right? It's absolutely amplified in Afghanistan. It is, it is. So let's talk if we can, because it's hard to know what the international community can and should do. I could list all the things that they shouldn't have done, but have, and so here we are. But where do they go next? Because... I know our former Prime Minister Gordon Brown was like, we should like impose sanctions because this is a humanitarian crime. What can the international community do? What should we be doing? My idea is, so I'm, I'm, I'm a journalist, so I am not a legal expert in terms of giving suggestions on what should be done. But what I think uh, we need, or the people of Afghanistan right now from countries globally, is to support their rights against the Taliban because the Taliban is this military groups that taken over Afghanistan by force and there is the will of the people of Afghanistan is not taken into consideration. So we are hoping that these uh, countries can come together, particularly the countries that have feminist foreign policies, that come together and start talking and creating an action that would respond to the Taliban, that force them to reverse some of the laws and misogynist policies that they have implemented in the past two years. Otherwise, I think the Taliban continue doing what they have been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as we are seeing, the statement, the condemnation have no effect on the Taliban. It's only words. The Taliban do not understand words. They need action. And, and that action could mean, you know, like um, sanction, uh, particularly on the Taliban leaders, you know, like entire Taliban leadership, the Taliban, you know, um, officials. In that way, we could be more hopeful that, yes, you know, this is an action that would hit the Taliban hard and might force them to do something. But so far, we don't have a lot of those actions happening. Um, and then second thing is that 
a lot of people in Afghanistan are desperate. Uh, women do not have any uh, work employment, and most of them, uh, for example, police women, women who are working as uh, lawyers, as uh, judges, their their lives are at risk, you know. Um, and most of them are in different uh, countries. They fled the country, and they are in Iran or in Pakistan, and they are facing deportation to Afghanistan because these countries are trending to deport them. Yeah. So they are in a very precarious situation. They need support. And I'm sure these countries have the resources to accept and process some of these cases. And we hope that that's something that they could do for the people in Afghanistan. So starting helping some of the Afghan immigrants stuck in limbo and those who need to be rescued from Afghanistan and uh, giving a pathway to uh, save life. Um, and then uh, we are hoping that the people, and particularly women across the world, stand in solidarity with women in Afghanistan and support them in any way they can. That support sometimes means sponsoring, you know, a university student from Afghanistan in a particular university in your city and helping them to be able to study that university while living there. That means donating to, you know, a woman-led organization that's working in Afghanistan. Or supporting, you know, like in any other way, paying for an internet of a woman in Afghanistan to study online. Things like that. It's helpful, but also pressuring the uh, states and powers in, the, in their countries to do something about it. And, and particularly taking action and concrete action to do something about it. Otherwise, this is now changing the trend on women's rights and, and just silence and no action is an action by itself because Absolutely. it means that it does not matter, that women's right does not matter. And this should not be the way it is right now. Oh, no, it really, really fucking matters. And also keep reading the stories, read some times, look into Roxana Media, throw some money their way. Zara, where can people find out more about Zantimes and do just that? Thank you so much. Actually, we had uh, um, fundraising, uh, our fundraising ended, but we have a donation uh, running on on our website. I feel that I find people to be more sympathetic to our cause. And that's why I always find it easy to ask the people to support us than trying to be able to find the funding in other places or maybe because I don't speak their language. But I really, I really see the potential in people across the world coming and supporting, for example, organizations uh, like Zantimes or Roshana Media to stand in, on our feet. So I really hope that, you know, if the readers can come to our website, oh, I didn't say the website. So it's <laughs> most, most important. So it's the Zan, Z-A-N. That means Zan in Afghanistan, woman, um, basically. And I have to teach you one word in, Eng- in, in, in Parsi, Dari. Thank you. So Zan, Z-A-N, times. Uh, dot com. That's our website. And then they can choose to read um, our English website or our uh, Farsi website. And then we have uh, sections that are only the reports, original reports that we worked on in Afghanistan, either with our own team or with freelancers across the country. And then we have one section that's called narrative where we have people uh, write for us or tell us their stories and then we will write for them. It's mostly account of stories from the people of Afghanistan, mostly living in Afghanistan. So we have narratives of uh, women with disabilities. We have narratives of LGBTQ individuals. So they can read how their their, their life is in Afghanistan. And also they have, we have interview sections, uh, opinion pieces. So this is what we have done with the very minimum resources. And uh, we hope that once we have the resources, 
uh, and the money that we need to do our work, we will be able to take this to another level and be able to employ women across the country in the 34 provinces of Afghanistan. The investigative reporting that you've done is really, really impressive. But those personal stories, those narratives are so powerful, I think, because when we do just see the headlines, you can forget or it's easier to forget that there are individuals, there are these people whose lives, these women whose lives have been destroyed. So what you've done is really powerful. Thank you so much for all your hard work and for doing that. Of course. Thank you for giving me a platform to be here and to speak and share about our work and also about the situation of women in Afghanistan, because I think this is a very, very important for the media and platform to, you know, like uh, pay attention to the situation in Afghanistan because their role is important. For example, if your audience is learning about what's happening in Afghanistan through your podcast, it means that you are doing your role in informing your audience um, about women's rights. And I feel that's also the responsibility of all the media. It's not about the rash of like, okay, this is the story that we have to go, but rather coming back to the stories of like, what happened uh, once a while, not only on the anniversary, but also usually coming back and, and checking on women in Afghanistan until they have freedom and rights to exercise their human rights in Afghanistan. Absolutely. Zara, thank you so much for chatting with me. Of course. Thank you for having me. Standard Issue for All Women.